been a week. You had Easter last week, and uh, how'd it go? Yeah? Was it a good Sunday? All right. Um, I teach the small group at our house. Debbie and I, we host uh, a group. We've recently wrapped up uh, the first John, and uh, some of what we're going to talk about, what I'm going to talk about this morning, is from first John. I've tried to boil it down. It, uh, It ran about five weeks. We do about an hour and a half, maybe two hours at our house. So let's see, that's five times two. It's about 10 hours. So I've got 10 hours worth of material here. I tried to boil it down to five so we can get out early. All right. <laughs> okay, we're going to start with Scripture. I think I have to turn this on. Okay, are we live? Um, there we go. Okay. John 1, 1 through 4, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. And all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and His life was the light of men. 1 John 1, 1 through 3. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, What we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and have heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And then finally, Genesis 2, 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right. Um, Springtime. And... uh, a lot of stuff going on. Anybody see pollen this morning? Anybody happen to notice the pollen on your car? Yeah. Anybody suffering from allergies? Yeah. No. No, Aaron. How is it today? <laughs> All right. Um, the theme of my—I'm not going to give you the title of my uh, because I, I, what I do when I teach at home is I use questions to try and engage you. I want—I want to ask you questions and see if it will engage you. Because it's the give and take of questions and answers that allow us to learn. Uh, I don't have all the answers, uh, but I got a lot of questions. So um, I want to start with a question this morning. It has to do with Easter and the cross. And I feel that when I I told Dennis I had something, I I feel this is what the Lord gave to me. He gave me this question for you. Uh, And, and you know, when you ask a question, you expect answers. So I'm, I'm looking for feedback here. Um, a lot of times my questions can can befuddle you, but uh, they're they're lighthearted. They're not meant to to confuse you. So here's the question for you. You know, this is Jeopardy, the category chosen. How many sides does the cross have? We need the Jeopardy music. I should have brought it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
How many sides does the cross have? Who wants to? Anybody? Come on, don't be bashful. We're all friends here. Come on. Um, well, you know, it, it, ah, six, what did you say? Huh? Two, eight, one, 16, 12. Okay, well, okay. Anybody adding those up? Because we're going to add them up and divide by seven. No. Um, why did you say two? I like that. All right. Why did you say six, Mike? Yeah. The answer is there are two sides. There's you, you go on you go on to the next round. There's the death side and the life side. Did you hear what I said? There's two sides to the cross. There's the death side and the life side. What's on the death side? Who can tell me? You just went through Easter. This should be on your mind. Sin. Yeah. Well, then why is that the death side? He died on the cross. Okay. He paid for our debts. He died. What's the life side? He rose. Resurrection. All right. But that's not the real question. The real question is for you. Which side of the cross are you on? Do you live your life on the death side? Or do you live your life on the life side? In, uh, in Sam Nadler's book, The Feast of uh, Israel, I picked this up at a bookstore. I just happened to see it on the shelf, lost track of it, and then it jumped off the shelf and hit me again one day. And, uh, and I, it was when I was teaching the Gospel of John, because in the Gospel of John, he's always dealing with the feast. He's always going from feast to feast to feast. And uh, Sam has tremendous insights. But if you bear with me just for a moment, I want to read to you um, part of that, that talks about Easter. What comes after Easter? What's the next big holiday that we face? Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> ascension. Yeah, I guess Ascension. Um, I was thinking more in the line of Pentecost. Okay. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, Luke writes, um, if I can find it, I didn't find it. Okay. But basically he says, at the time of the Pentecost. He starts off talking about that event at the time of the Pentecost. How many of you know that the Pentecost is a Jewish holiday? It's not a Christian holiday. And it celebrates the, the giving of the law. Uh, when the law was given, there was fire and noise as God descended on Mount Sinai. So Penta is five. It's about five weeks after the deliverance from the Passover of Egypt. They meet at Mount Sinai, and God gives them the law. Now, Jesus dies on the cross, and five weeks go by, and guess what? They're in Jerusalem. They're celebrating the Pentecost, which is a Jew, uh, Jewish holiday, and then the giving of the Spirit comes. So let me read to you what Nadler says. When the law was given, there was fire and noise as God descended on Mount Sinai. When the Spirit was given, there was fire and noise as well. 
Interestingly, the rabbis comment in the Talmud that when the Torah was given at Mount Sinai, every single word that went forth from the omnipotent was split into 70 languages. Did you get that? That's at Mount Sinai. When the law was given, everything that came out of the mountain, the noise, the thunder, if you know the Old Testament, it, it was split into 70 languages. Do you recall what happened at the Pentecost in, in Jerusalem? So also when the Holy Spirit was given, men from every nation spoke in every other language as the Spirit enabled. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. The true fulfillment of Shavuot, which is the celebration of the giving of the law, in Acts 2 is clearly seen in contradiction to the Torah, which was given at Mount Sinai. When people waited for Moses to return back from the mountain, an almost incredible chain of events began to transpire. I'm not going to read all this to you. I just want you to understand that when, they, when Moses came down from the mountain, the people got tired of waiting for him. And what did they do? They went to Aaron and they built the golden calf. And what occurred then? Moses comes down with the tablets and, and, and they're having a big party. And they're, they're, they're worshiping the golden calf, not the Lord God. So he breaks the tablets and then he calls men who are, who are faithful to himself, to him. And he says, and he separates the group between the ones that are celebrating with the golden calf and the ones who, who celebrate with the Lord God. And then he sends them out, the people who are faithful to him. And that day, 3,000 men died at the sword, at the giving of the law. On the day of Pentecost, what occurred? Flames came down. Men spoke in different languages. People heard them, came to see what was going on. There was a great rushing wind. And out of it, 3,000 people were saved that day. So at the giving of the law, the death side, 3,000 died. At the giving of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 3,000 lived. We live on both sides of the cross as a people, as a people of modern-day Christianity. We go through our periods of death, and we go through our periods of life. And that's the subject of the talk this morning. It's life after death. We're after Easter. We had a wonderful celebration here. It was very solemn for uh, Good Friday. We saw the passion. We saw what Jesus went through. That was the death side, that he died for your sins. Now we want to talk about the life side. The writers of the New Testament were continually speaking. If you read this, um, you'll see that they spoke always about death and resurrection. Whenever they gave the gospel, it always involved resurrection. Paul in Corinthians uh, writes, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Peter in 1 Peter 1.3 says, According to his great mercy has caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So as much as the cross represents our dying, our sins dying, so much so the resurrection of Jesus gives us life at a time when, when the world is bursting with life. We've got flowers, things are emerging from the ground. It's a wonderful time of year. So if, if I can, I'd like to pursue this idea of life with you this morning. But before we go there, let's take a quick look at what death is. Um, Vine's Expository Dictionary of the New Testament Words defines death as follows. Death is the opposite of life. Hmm. Glad I bought the book. 
It never denotes non-existence. Spiritual death is conscious, is your conscience in existence in separation from God. What does that mean? You ever go through your day and not think of God? You may or may not. You ever go through a moment and kind of leave God behind? You're caught up, something affects you, and you jump off, and you don't really, you just are like, oh yeah, that's right, I should have prayed about that. You know, we go through moments where we're not conscious. Within us, we, we're in this battle of trying to involve God in our lives. Uh, remember what happened in the garden? Two trees, right? Out of the east. In the east, he planted, um, and he caused every tree that is pleasing in sight, good for food. The tree of life in the midst, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right, which one did we eat from? Yeah, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is so much a basis of who we are. We, we think we can control things. We think if we can learn enough about things, we can put our hands around it and control it. What did we not eat from? The tree of life. <clears throat> so, keep that in mind. Also, as Adam and Eve walked away from their little fruit-gathering expedition, what happened? They got very self-conscious. They saw that they were naked. When, Jesus, when God was walking in the garden, he said, where are they? He said, they were hiding from him. Why are you hiding? Well, because we saw we were naked. Our self-consciousness is not what God intended for us. He wants us to be God-conscious, to go from the death side of the cross to the life side, you go from a self-conscious condition to a God-conscious condition. Um, one of the difficulties with giving a talk like this, because I, I don't do this often, uh, I'm very comfortable giving a study in my home or even here where we can go through the Bible verse by verse. But to, to put together a talk like this, uh, it, it just forces me to be very self-conscious. And, and what you want in a situation like this is the life to come through. You want the life of Jesus to come through. So at, uh, Adam and Eve went through this process where they, they were naked and had no problems. They ate from the fruit, and they suddenly became self-conscious. Um, I, I believe we suffer from that as a people. All right, so if that's the death side, how do we get from the death side to the life side? And this is where First John comes in. Um, if I can do this. Thank you. Um, all right. I call this the sin exchange. This is First John 6 through 10. Um, and I highlighted some of the ifs there. There are five ifs here. What are ifs? When you see an if, what is it? A condition. It's a condition statement. If you were a programmer, you would build your program around if. If this, then that. Based on the result, you would move in this direction or in that direction. John does that for us in 1 John 1 through 6, and, and it can be very confusing. Let me read it to you. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. All right, so what is it? Are we sinners or not sinners? Okay, all right, good answer. <laughs> but if we walk in the light as he himself, and like we have fellowship with one another, and he cleanses us from all sins. Are we sinners or not sinners? We're still sinners. <laughs> all right, so what we see here, what John is giving us here is, first of all, verse 9 is the key. You want to start the car, you need a key. You're stuck in self-consciousness. You can't seem to get the God consciousness out. You're always thinking about yourself. You're relating to other people by the way you relate to yourself. We all do this. We are all stuck in that sin cycle. So if we come to verse 9, if we confess those sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the key. That gets us from the death side to the life side. Who did John write this to? Believers or non-believers? Believers. What John is doing for us here is he's giving us a dynamic. This is not a static. You're not, you know, before God, you're perfect because of Jesus' death. Praise God. But, in, in life, we're constantly flowing from the death side to the life side. And we need verse 9 to get us back to the, to the life side. One of the key themes, he, there are many things that John does in his gospel and in his, in his uh, letter. He concentrates on three main words. Those are light, life, and abide. And if you begin to work with those three words... It, work it into your heart. Begin to feel his presence and get out of that death side and into the life side. All right. Um, so that's the sin exchange. When you're, when you're stuck in sin, you're not sure which way you're going, come to these verses. Let them work with you. Let them abide in you. Um, All right, these are three names for Jesus and a promise. Now we're, we're going to try and work on the life side a little bit. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the... John eleven twenty five says, I am the resurrection and the... John six thirty five says, I am the bread of life. And John eight twelve says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. I don't know if anybody heard uh, Dennis's prayer when he was done singing this morning, but he prayed that we might have life this morning. He, he worked that in. It was wonderful. You ever uh, buy a car? And when you drive the car, you can't help but notice everybody else has the same car. <laughs> have you done that? You get up in the highway, oh, there's one, there's, there's another. When you start focusing on this life business, and start looking for it when you walk. Um, you can't help but see it. But, but when you see it, you'll also start noticing something else. A lot of people are walking around with a lot of death. They, they, walk, they just carry it with them. And, and you ever meet somebody and you're like, wow, it was, I just spent a half hour with them and it was refreshing. It was wonderful. And, and you begin to look forward to meeting them again. 
That's the life. You're starting to experience the life of Christ in that person. Um, all right. I'd like to show you something that I'm calling uh, the battleground. And this is from 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. A um, couple things to notice here. Spirit, soul, and body. Uh, Watchman Nee would call that the inner man, the outer man, and the outmost man. There are three parts to you. Um, if, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which part does he affect? Which part does he come and dwell with you on? The spirit. Now, what about the other two? What, what's the soul? The soul is, is, your, is your, where you're making your decisions. It's your will. And then the body, of course, is the body. It begins by saying, the God of peace himself will sanctify you. God desires peace between those three elements in you. He desires peace between the spirit, soul, and body. But when the soul is off doing its own thing, it's not in conjunction or in alignment with the spirit. And you begin to lose your peace. You see, the God of peace will sanctify you. So there's a relationship between peace, the spirit, soul, and body. Now, the life of the spirit is trying to bring in, into alignment this, the soul and the body. Now, I'm, I just turned 56 years old. The body is changing. It's a good thing. <laughs> there are things that my body wanted to do that are not as much a struggle anymore. And that's a good thing. You young folks, you're in the midst of that. You've got a lot going on. And as, as a body of believers, uh, we should pray for our young people. Because in the world today, there's a, there's a ton of stuff going on. There's, there's constant bombardment to our kids today. Uh, the world's becoming compacted. It's becoming smaller, becoming more electronic. There are more opportunities than, than I had as a, as a kid. And there's a lot of pressure on kids today. It's being, it's being manifested in many ways. Um, you know, suicides, drug addictions. Um, it, it's just a tough world out there right now. And, and, um, and a lot has to do with the body. If you watch TV and pick up how many things on commercials focus on the body, and they're always drawing you in some kind of a direction, or they're appeasing to your needs that you have in your body. So, believers, pray for your kids and pray for our young people because there's a lot of pressure on them today. It, I don't, can't tell you how many conversations I've had with, uh, with parents whose kids are going through troubles. Good kids, not kids who go looking for it. But the trouble comes and finds them now. Um, and, and that, of course, affects the soul. And then it puts it at war with the spirit if you're, if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, then your spirit could be anywhere. Um, but this is the battleground, these three things. And God desires peace for you. 
between those three elements. If he's giving you his spirit, then, then the battle for us is to go from the death side in our soul and body into the life side. And the word that John uses repeatedly is abide. Abide in me. Abide in me. It's difficult um, to struggle. All right. Uh, chapter 4 of First uh, John. So, so I want to move on now. I want to get into how this transaction takes place. We know the transaction takes place at the cross. But what is the transaction? In chapter 4 of First John, uh, I was going to put it up here, but it, it's too long. I didn't want to get that involved with it. And, uh, and we want to move along this morning. But um, the word love appears 28 times. If, if, if you read your Bible and you see the word love 28 times, what's that telling you? It's important, that's right. Yeah, it's important. It's important. And, um, and in the same way, we need to exchange our self-consciousness for God's consciousness and love. So, um, so, John says, Do not believe that I am in the Father. He's talking to Philip, and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does the work. The Father is love, and the Father through the Son spends His love on us and expects us to spend His love given to us on our brothers. In, in the chapter 4 of John, he speaks repeatedly of brotherly love. If you are in the Spirit, you love your brother. If you're not, you do not love your brother. He goes back and forth. The, I call that kingdom currency. So you, you go to the cross, you dump your load, and you get filled up with kingdom currency. In chapter 4, he says, Jesus, we love because Jesus first loved us. So you fill up with kingdom currency, and where do you spend it? You spend it on others. You spend it on your brothers. If you leave the United States and go to another country, you change your, your money to whatever money is of that country. That's the currency. If you want to walk in the kingdom, you will change your currency for Jesus' currency. And he did everything in love. So we want to, we want to fill our pockets with kingdom cur- currency at the cross. And then finally, um, we'll take a look at uh, a word about the tree of life. Revelations uh, 22, 1 and 2. Then he showed me a river of water of life, clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. The tree of life reappears to us in Revelations. It's going to be there when we get there. We saw it in the garden. We didn't eat of it then. Many Christian um, themes dating back centuries, looked at the cross as the tree of life. It's where we get life from. Um, In the garden, we blew it. We ate the wrong apple. We're paying the price today. We struggle with this. But 
we have a chance now to go to the cross and partake of the tree of life. Jesus died on a tree for our sins. And if we do that, we will find that this tree bears 12 kinds of fruit. And each month, the fruit is available for us and the leaves of the tree are for the healings of the nations. At the cross, we are healed. And our nations will be healed when they come to the cross and they realize what is there for them. This morning, we're going to celebrate uh, communion. And uh, and I just want to encourage you as you come forward to take the elements, that you think of this idea of life. And I'm going to add to that uh, the phrase, the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. We're going to take part in the bread and the wine. And I just encourage you that as you take the bread, you see that as ingesting, uh, not so much, but he said, my body is broken for you. And he becomes our bread. When he met the woman at the well, he sat at the well and the disciples went into town because they were hungry. They were traveling. And the woman came out and he began to speak with her. And of course, you know the rest of the story. He witnessed to her. And then the disciples came back with food. And they said, we've got the food. Do you want to eat? He goes, my food is to do the will of the Father. And they said, where did he get the food from? Did the woman bring him the food? They didn't understand. The bread of life satisfies us. If, if you abide in him, and you take him in, and you make him your focus, allow him to bring you the life that we gain from the cross, then he will satisfy your needs and your wants and your desires. This morning, as we come forward, I'm going to move aside, and, uh, and I'm going to invite you to come forward, take the elements. We'll sit back down. Uh, we'll pray and take. But think of Jesus as your bread, as your provision, as the thing that provides for your life so that you, having been spent extravagantly on the cross by God, his son, can then in turn procure his love so that you too can share that love generously and not hold it back. You know, it's easy to love the lovable, but it's difficult to love the unlovable. And, it, and as Oasis grows here as a church, people will be drawn here not by how nice the space is or what programs that we can come up with to, to meet people's needs, but they'll be drawn by your love for them. Unconditional love, agape love that is spent lavishly on you. And in turn, God desires for you to spend it lavishly on your brothers, brothers who are even here who are hurting and need prayer. So I encourage you when you come this morning to take the elements and to sit and contemplate a few of these things and see if the life of Christ through the cross becomes evident to you. And as we go through this springtime and you see things emerging around us in the ground after a long, cold, hard winter, that you see the love of God emerging for you and encouraging you and building you up. You see, what I do when I do a Bible study is I don't church build. I try to Christian build. I try to build the believer. 
And, uh, and for me to stand up here and present something like this, it's kind of dry. And uh, you're blessed to have someone like Dennis here who can, who can really present the word and give it life. And you need to pray for that life. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. This morning, we want to lift him up with communion. So I'm going to step aside. Uh, we'll, we'll have a prayer, a brief prayer, and then I want you to come forward, and then we'll celebrate the elements together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that, uh, that you're here this morning. Um, we thank you, Lord, that um, I was very brief in my uh, message so that we can get out and enjoy that sunshine. And I thank you, Lord, for Oasis, that you've planted this church here and you're calling it, Lord, to do wonderful things. But, Lord, it will not be accomplished without your life. It needs to be accomplished on the life side of the cross, not the death side. And I pray, Lord, that as we celebrate your communion, and do it in remembrance of you, uh, that you would give us that life this morning in Jesus' name. Come forward when you're ready.